welcome to episode 10 of Pull Up with Miles and Owen. Owen, we've done 10 episodes of this now. It's it's uh it's ridiculous. I'd like to thank, you know, all my closest friends and family. Uh yeah, 10 episodes going strong. I think we're hopefully getting better at this and we're certainly loving every single minute of talking to all these amazing people around women's basketball. So, yeah, cheers. Yeah, we've got another really exciting our first two-part episode which was a decision that we kind of made on the fly because we went super long because this is the all-star, the super large all-star edition of Pull Up with Miles and Owen. And the reason why we went long is because we brought on Mark Schindler of WNBA.com, of They've Got Now, of Dime Up Rocks, of, of basically your favorite writer's favorite writer. And Mark's got a vote. And for the first year, I've got an all-star vote too from the media side. Uh, so what we did was Owen kind of moderated a conversation for us. So we're splitting it up into two parts. There's just too many exceptional players to talk about. Today, day one, you're getting the front court. Six forward spots, six starting front court spots. Um, and then part two, tomorrow, will be the back court with the final four guard slots. Let's get into it. Welcome to episode 10 of Pull Up with Miles and Owen. It's an all-star episode today. And who better to join us than a true friend of the pod, one of the most hardworking, talented, amazing people in this space. He is the host of They Got Now. He writes for WNBA.com. Come on, I know you've read it. He writes for Dime Up Rocks. Probably every other publication that's that's ever been uh, existed in this space. Our friend, Mark Schindler, how is it going? I'm really good. I don't know how I'm supposed to live up to uh, to the intro, but I appreciate it. Um, I'm excited to be here. I've really, I haven't gotten to listen to every episode because I have just been like in a podcast rut lately with listening. Um, but I have uh, really enjoyed seeing you guys get this. We need more really fun podcasts around the W because there just aren't enough. Like you can just go into to the NBA. There's a million fucking podcasts. I don't know if I was where I didn't think about that. Uh, there's a million podcasts. We need more on the W side. Like I, I've just appreciated what you guys brought. It's been really fun to to keep up with. Well, we appreciate you. We're we're pro swearing. Number one, pro okay, swearing. Uh, let it fly. Pull up. Casual. Those are the vibes. <laughs> Um, and the fact that you're able to consume any content at all, given how much you churn out is remarkable. <laughs> so we, we appreciate you as well. That's what I was going to say too, is there are a million podcasts in this space. And that's because about 200,000 of them are coming from you every other <laughs> okay, day. There's a new enough. podcast dropping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like half my, uh, half my actual like additions to the group chat are new pod fire emoji, fire emoji. So, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> No, no, it keeps the rest of us hungry. It keeps us working. Now, we're really proud to just, you know, see where you've come. And we're almost hitting the first anniversary of when I met you in person because it was a it was at All Star last year, yeah. which is wild. So, uh, yeah, and we're going to be hitting Vegas, which is um, very excited about very different vibes from Chicago. And the one time I've been to Vegas, I was like, it was it was AU last year and it was the winter time. And I'm like, oh, yeah. So you yeah. caught it at the not overwhelming time because yep. it's going to be oh dude it's going to be so nuts i'm uh i'm excited and not excited because i'm i'm still as you know i'm still in the process of moving mm -hmm. so like right now it's looking like i'm gonna move in 
and then I'm going to go to all-star and then I'm going to come back. And then the dream have like a week long homestand. So it's going to be uh, July is going to be a blur. I don't really know how I'm going to handle it, but uh, we're going to get there. I have, I have a couple more weeks to wait for it. So we're, we're, in, we're in the process. <laughs> we're we're going to get there. And the, you know, the reason for this podcast today is you guys both have, and I guess I should, I, I should uh, introduce my podcast co-host, Miles Ehrlich. I, you know, I didn't do that up top. Usually I do, uh, but this is a special episode. So we're just, you know, we're all over the place, but uh, you two have votes, official all-star votes. And because I tweet about Ka in all caps, like five times a day, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not objective enough for this esteemed honor, but we thought it would be very fun to kind of walk through what your guys' thought process was with these ballots um, and just get an idea of where you're coming from. So I, I think let's like start off front court. You, where, where you guys want to go? Do you guys want to talk about a specific player that, that, uh, that, you know, you're super hyped to, to vote in or like, what's the, you take it from here. Sure. Okay. I mean, I'll talk about the, I think we're probably going to align on most of these picks. Mm -hmm. So we could just start talking about what the locks were for us. And it starts with two names for me. It starts with Asia Wilson and Brianna Stewart, which aligns with the public voting, um, which I don't think is always reliable. But in this case, they definitely got it right. Because for me right now, it goes Stewie and then Asia in terms of MVP. And then I've got Jackie and AT fighting for that third spot. Um, so for me, those were the two easiest picks to write in pen. And then I got to, you know, write... In, in pencil firmly for the next few and then erase a bunch of times with my sixth spot, but I know we're going to get there. Uh, so how'd you feel about those two? <laughs> Did you have any yeah. hesitation? <laughs> yeah, I had, um, so I, I had three in pen just cause I need to, I, I'm sensing some disrespect, uh, coming from, from your side. Uh, no, I had, I mean, it was Asia Stewie AT in that order for me. I think Asia and Stewie have been neck and neck. I just think Asia has been that impressive defensively. Like obviously Stewie has been very good defensively as well, but it just like, it, obviously Asia was DPOY last year, but it feels like somehow she's like molded into even more of that this year as the aces have taken on that, that, that mold. And they've been, I mean, by far the second best defense in the league. Cause Washington's just in their own, uh, little territory right now, but yeah, um, I didn't really have to think exactly. I didn't have to think about the first three. I was like that if even if it was just put 10 players on the ballot, those are the first three that are going on for me without question, really. Um, so I totally agree. And I just need to say, like, I I feel like I'm like the person who always has to defend AT because I know she does not have the best rep on Twitter. I understand it. I, I know that she she plays physically and some people might describe her as dirty sometimes. It, it, it can it can border i think at is incredible you just got to talk to her in person like it's mm -hmm. easier said than done obviously but um she has been incredible this year like i i mean obviously thoughts and prayers i'm not really a praying person but if i was there with brianna jones right now i really hope that she's okay she suffered a non-contact injury against the storm last night and did not look very good um not to you know i don't want to put any bad energy out there i'm hoping that everything's all right but it just feels like another one of those kind of massive slugs to to a really promising Sun team. And it's mm -hmm. in that same core that's been here the whole time. And 
Um, not to get all sad, but like, I just think so much of this season to me has been seeing what AT can do in a new system with new role players, um, with a new, with new coaching staff. Um, obviously, you know, the pace isn't that different from last year, but it's what they do in the half court that is so different. And so much of it is everything running through her and it just works. And I think for me, she'd probably be my pick for defensive player of the year right now. She's been insane on that end. Um, so yeah, AT very much in 10. I had to, I just had to get that off really quick. I think that's, that's interesting because we don't talk a lot about like someone being the defensive fulcrum and then also being the facilitator, you know, pick and roll, role person just doing everything in terms of playmaking creating on offense to be the fulcrum on both sides and to just carry that team never mind from like a leadership perspective um i i love that you gave at her flowers and like also in in terms of brie jones it, it really stinks and it really is like this team has not had a clean bill of health or everyone available since they were a game away from winning it all in 2019 and only did not host that trophy because they ran into the greatest offense, you know, the league has ever seen from an offensive rating standpoint. Speaking of, man, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Um, but <laughs> continue. Oh, man. <laughs> not, to, not to drive the knife in, but uh, yeah. yeah. Eric Tebow's like, could I just get like, you know, 60% of what we had in 2019? So, okay, I want to I wanna, um, shift this to Miles because Mark just gave us three names in pen. So of the front court names, because I think personally, super high on AT, she would be on my hypothetical ballot. To me, the third front court name is NECA, someone who is uh, also a fulcrum on both ends, albeit in a very different way, a little more of a low key way than AT. Miles, who is and and this is not saying that you were throwing shade in that direction at all, Mark. I, I no, see. I know, but can I actually say something on this? Because Please. I'm sorry, I just have so much to say. Um, I Neca's season has been incredible. Like she's been so freaking good. She's she's my fourth All Star spot. To anybody saying this is the best season of her career, please go back and look at 2016 and watch 2016. Please, Agreed. like. Agreed. We are never I, – I legitimately don't think we'll ever see a player shoot 67% on twos again with, like, the volume she did. That was – like, it's unfathomable. So, uh, I just didn't uh, say that. No, unbelievable. And I do think that there's, like, a – maybe from a casual fan perspective, also recency bias is just infected us all, and, and I get it. But also, there I think there is, like, some – uh, thing in our basketball watching brains that really respects the player who – out of necessity is just putting the team entirely on her back. And she was putting the sparks on her back in 2016, but obviously had a fuller, you know, title worthy cast finals worthy cast around her, but that does not make it any less impressive. As you said, that just ridiculous bonkers season miles, who is your third front court? Well, I mean, you just basically said everything for me. NECA was my third spot. And for all the reasons that both of you are talking about, and I think that there's the recency bias, but there's also what we're going to constantly run into with this. It's the small sample bias too, because outside of the shooting percentage, those numbers that we're seeing now are pretty comparable. So I think some of that conversation is around what, how stacked that roster was in 2016 versus now. And 
there are a couple of players that I know we're both going to have on our ballots that are doing all of what they're doing, despite not having the best supporting cast around them. And that can sometimes hurt that efficiency as well. So that's part of it. I did want to jump back to AT for a second because I have an interesting relationship with that team uh, because I was on the Sunbeat in 2021 Mm -hmm. uh, with Windsider. But you talked about how every single year there's an injury on that team. And that year happened to be AT. So I actually didn't get to cover her very much. Um, But I'm with you that I have a small gripe with the way that all-star voting is organized from the fan vote perspective in that it's organized by points per game. So I think that that's something when we saw that first round of ballots come out and AT was 17th among forwards, a large part of that is because it's sorted by points, right? And not the fact that she was second in rebounds and second in assists and second in in steals, you know, like not, not those counting stats as much as it was, People are scrolling as I did, as I'm clicking as I go. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to forget to like put Asia's name down and and lose that spot. So I'm clicking as I go. And then by the time you get down there, or if you get down there, right, um, you've already got your six spots taken. So I think that that's kind of an issue. I don't know that fantasy points, which is like another metric that we've started to to embrace. I don't think that's necessarily really good, but there's got to be some way to like count stats, uh, to count everything that a player is doing. And, you know, it's not like baseball where analytics are taking over to the same extent, but I do think that, uh, I do think that AT is kind of uniquely hurt by that in terms of the fan votes, which are, and I guess we should say 50%, of, of what the all-star starters are going to be. Fan votes account for 50%. These media votes are 25%. And then it's players and coaches or just players for the other 25. I don't remember what that last quarter I'm is. I'm not sure. I feel like I should know that, but I do not. Uh, either way, it's out of our hands. So there's another 25% coming from the professionals. Um, so for me, AT was not as high probably as she maybe should have been because I've got her so high on the on the MVP ballot. So she probably should be one of the first names there. Um, But Connecticut also just needs an all-star for how well they've been playing to this point. So we're in agreement on the four of them. NECA for the reasons you guys were both saying. And then my next one, uh, do we want to have the BG conversation? Because I think that's, that's maybe where we go next. Let's have the BG conversation because this this raises an interesting point, which um, we were talking about before we hopped on here and press record. Uh, the reality of the WNBA season, and it uh, is important to mention that this is, we are in the midst of the longest regular season, 40 games in league history. We are building towards more and more. Um, in a 40-game season, even the longest season in the, in the W's history, Voting is open and really the conversations start almost immediately once the season has started. And so you are parsing small sample size. You are parsing a player missing two games, which seems minuscule and should not uh, be held against someone. But in the case of BG, who has missed the last few games uh, to injury, it really potentially hurts your case and so then it becomes a question of okay how much have they impacted their team 
while they were on the floor? And does that make up for the couple game difference versus the players who've played every game and who have been playing at an elite level? And so BG, while she has been on the floor, is an absolute lock. If you look at PER, if you look at win shares per 40, if you look at Kevin Pelton's all-encompassing advanced stat, and there's not enough like great you know metrics out here yet for the W, but the, the Kevin Pelton one I think is really solid. Uh, BG is at the top of all of these lists. It's, it's, it's Stewie, it's Asia, and then it's usually BG or NECA. Um, but she has missed a few games and the front court depth in this league is so astronomically good that there's eight, nine, 10 names. You could absolutely make a case for being a starter in this game. So where I'm going to throw it to you, Mark, first, where do you fall on the kind of games played as it pertains to BG's case? Yeah, um, no, that's a great question. I think it's something that I, I certainly weighed in. It's tough because exactly like you mentioned, most of these players have played 11 or 12 games by the time voting is done. Um, so it's tough because BG only played eight games. But I will say, um, I think it just puts that much more weight on what what you do. Um, and this is like, even in like, even if you're just removing the fact that, you know, what BG is coming off of being wrongfully imprisoned in a, in a country for almost a year, like she's having the most efficient season of her career. It's been kind of nuts to watch. Um, like her defense has been really impressed to me. Obviously we know the Mercury have really struggled. I don't think it's fair to just put that all on her. There's been a lot more going on with that. I think it's a lot more just to do with where the roster's at, but She's shooting 64% on twos, which, again, that just puts into reference um, how nuts Neca's one season was. Um, but, like, her previous career high, like, she shot 56% on twos for her career. She shot 58% on twos her, her last season in, in 2021. And that, remember, she was, like, almost MVP that year. Um, she's been incredibly, incredibly good. The passing has really hit in this offense. Um, I just have been so impressed with what she's bringing to the table. But again, like, I think if, if we're looking at it more like, okay, if she's shooting, if she isn't as efficient, then I think I'm, I'm probably looking at it differently. Like, I'm probably like, all right, if you have played this, this, this smaller amount of games and smaller sample and you're not shooting the ball as well, then I'm probably less likely to have you on. Even if you, I think you're an all-star level player, like, sorry, I have 10 starter spots. Like, it makes it really hard to, to warrant uh, taking somebody off or putting them on. And it's, uh, yeah, so it is a very tough needle to thread i'm not sure i did the best at it i tried my best um but still growing as an awards voter i am with you on all of that and i think that as much as possible probably to a fault i tried to be as objective as possible and i think and i say to a fault because i think there are times that i probably veered too hard the other way in trying to be objective that i went like far far, far beyond where I needed to. And I was like looking for reasons not to have bias. And the one place that I think I slipped up a little bit is maybe with BG. And you know what? I'll live with that. I'll live with, I'll, I put BG on my ballot and I was like, last year, all of the starters went out there wearing her Jersey. And I think that this year she should be out there and it's not. And her performances, even in just eight games, back that up. It's not like 
this is a charitable spot like we've seen in the past where sometimes there's a player who has the narrative and the reason to be there, but doesn't have the numbers or the performances to back it up. And, and Brittany Griner does, but not just that. And it's not just that, but like everything that she's had to go through in returning to play and all, and just meeting every moment, every single moment. And we got to see it firsthand last week at the Barclays center where she ended up not playing that game, obviously, but just the emotions of greeting all of these friends. And, and I know the coaching staff, obviously the, the Liberty coaching staff knows, knows BG very well from their time together in Phoenix. But you, you put that into basically the first month of the season has been a reunion for her at every stop. And then to still compartmentalize and go out there and be great, be ultra efficient it's it's just superhuman to me. Um, so if this was the spot where I aired on the side of emotional, like I'm good with it. I'm good with it. I want to see her out there. I want to see her out there opening tip. I want to see, you know, we saw Sill dunk it last year. I would love to see BG dunk it at the All-Star game this year. Uh, so yeah, that's that's a spot for me. And that was, so that was number five. And we both got one more. And now I'm realizing we did it out of order because we might have the same sixth spot too. <laughs> No, so there's there's one player here who I I must bring up. I must be the first to mention because she is among my faves in the league. Uh, someone who is carrying the Minnesota Lynx to these wins over the Los Angeles Sparks. And man, it is taking everything she can possibly summon. Uh, Nafisa Collier, an absolute superstar. I think she had, I don't know, 26 and 14 um, the other night against Los Angeles. Mark, did Fee make the ballot? Yeah, Fee was actually my fifth vote in on the front court. She has been stellar this season. I, I know a lot will get made of, okay, the Lynx are this or that or whatever. Like, they, they aren't winning games. To be fair, as long as they're playing the Sparks, they are winning games. So I can't, I can't hear that uh, over over these dubs. Uh, but point being, uh, Nafisa has been just splendid to watch. Um, I was so excited for this season for the Lynx just because, like, I love Diamond as a as a player at Maryland. I wanted to see her as a prospect. Of course, we haven't gotten to see her as much this year, which has stunk. And I'm hoping that she gets well soon. But um, mainly, I just wanted like we've never seen Minnesota without. The, the, I mean, all of the Hall of Famers. Like, I think Fee's going to be on that track someday. But point being, like, okay, this is the season where they're really turning the keys over and saying, all right, this is, this is your thing now. That our goal is to, to build this team around you and figure out what that means. And a lot of it's, okay, Fee needs to figure out what it means to be a superstar. Like, even if you go back to UConn, she was like an incredibly impactful player, but she was playing on one of the greatest college basketball teams of all time. And, it wasn't really her job to go out and win games. Like she didn't, it, I'm trying to remember, she got drafted to behind Katie Lou, right? Mm-hmm. She got she drafted like, at six. You, yeah. Katie Lou was four in that pick or something? No, about I think Katie was three. No, I can give you, I can give you the, the, uh, the exact order here. I was going to say, cause Owen has this, this, uh, <laughs> he has this down because he, his mantra before he goes to sleep. Is he hasn't memorized like Draymond that were Green. picked before. Yeah. Feet. Yep. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it because I'm so glad you brought that up because it, it is it is so true. Like that draft was fascinating for a number of reasons. And I think that 
uh, for us who watched college basketball that season, like fee was, if you're looking at advanced statistics, whatever you can say this, that, or the other thing, but ultimately fee was the best, most efficient player in the nation that year. Now me, and this is why this draft was, was, you know, so seared into my brain for, for a number of reasons is obviously I'm a Jackie Young super fan and that Notre Dame team, the 2017, 2018, 2019 Notre Dame team, like maybe my favorite basketball team of all time. I, I, I just had so much fun watching all of those runs, etc. So to be the biggest Jackie Young fan on the planet and see her astronomical rise, you know, in 2018 when they win it all, and then in 2019 when they fall just short to Baylor, watching her go number one made me the happiest person on the planet. And then there was the 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 other like the basketball writer part of my brain, and I was like, Jackie deserves to go number one. She she you can make a, a huge case she's the best player in this draft. You can also make a case that Fee is the best player in this draft. And so I will I will recite for you that the top six was Jackie, AD went second, uh, Tierra McCowan went third. I think Katie Lou went fourth, uh, Arike went fifth, and then Fee went sixth. Which is a stacked class. I mean, just a wonderful class, and mm-hmm. you know. But anyway, sorry, that was like a little, 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 uh, little rant right there. Fees. Can you tell? Can you tell that I've heard Owen say this over drinks yeah. multiple times before? <laughs> Dude, I mean, honestly, though, just looking at that entire draft, though, it is really fun. Like as he goes twelfth, obviously in that draft, and comes over the next year, and like just watching the way that that entire class is kind of growing and where they're at right now is really interesting. Um, what about that thirteenth pick? You see it? Do you have it up in front of you? I I don't see it actually. Oh okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't either. Um, when I don't recognize. Um, but uh, no. What was I going to say? Uh, no. Just to speak on fee because I do think like it's easy to be like, oh well, good stats, bad team. Sure, but I, I think it's worth noting like fee is really making actual strides and improvement. She's ran more pick and roll reps as the ball handler this season than she did the last full healthy season of her career. Like they're really putting the ball in her hands. Like they, they struggled out the gates, of course, um, really trying to figure out how, how are things going to click? How, how are we doing things? How do we, how do we make this work? And then they've kind of figured out how to play and, and get Nafisa going downhill. I felt like they, they, they really struggled with offensive stagnancy. That's something that, Cheryl talked about in some pressers early on in the year, like fee struggled to start. She like box score numbers look good, but 42% from the field, 31% from three in May. Um, I think overall the team was just, again, they were young. They were trying to figure it out in June. So seven games, the fee Collier is averaging 24, nine and three on 53, 36, 84 splits. will get into the line the most in the league. And that's because of what they're doing to set her up on drives and just get her going downhill. And like, I'll have words coming out on this in the next day or two, but like her ability at the front court position at, at like six one, six two, to be able to to dribble, pass, and shoot, and the way that she's getting asked to do it, because like you've always been able to see the flashes um, throughout her career, but now it's like okay, well, we're building this around you, and then it's like oh well, look at how that hits, and I think obviously it's not there yet, but like you see the idea of what this team can be having a Diamond Miller and Nafisa Collier both with the idea of them being like players who really can put the fear of God in a defense from all levels of the court while making reads. And it's like, 
holy shit, this is incredible. And her defense has been really good this year too. So yeah, Fee was a pretty easy entry for me. I feel like she hasn't gotten enough love for it. I, I agree. She's. I'm glad you mentioned about the pick and roll ball handling because it's like so fun to watch her in this role as just like she is she is this team right now. And that's not to discredit any of the other play. I, I am really impressed with a lot of the people on that team. Um, but to just see her be essentially in so many actions, so many half court possessions, the lead ball handler. Something else that always strikes me like and the defense is phenomenal. We've always known that. I love how when you think about players who like get initially stopped on a possession and they have to find a creative way to get a shot off. And you think about like some guards, a Jewel Lloyd, for instance, who just can get her shot off no matter what in any scenario. I think that's a really underrated aspect of Fee's game is a really good post defense. And she's not the fastest player on the floor, but she will find a creative way to get a shot up. And it's not like a, it's not a prayer. It's, it's, it's actually a good shot. Often they go in and um, she's, she's just tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. Fee was a very tough omission for me. Um, have you, so have you listed your six now or. Yeah. That, I, those I are totally, my six front court spots. I totally yeah, so lost count. Th- Mark six are covered and miles that leaves us with one name because fee was not able to be on your, your ballot. And, and, you know, I've had the behind the scenes been talking to you guys. So, so I know who made it on your ballot. Someone who also would have made it on to my non-existent ballot is the rookie of the year is the most unstoppable two way superstar force in indiana also a national champion Aliyah boston to talk to me you you kind of said it there but Aliyah, what she's done from day one is just spectacular we've we've talked a whole bunch of times already about just the efficiency and for Aliyah to step in and immediately be hitting two-thirds of her shots it's just the way that she's doing it too right it's she's still seeing a lot of those double and triple teams that she was seeing in college, but she's playing through it and she's really taking over games late multiple times this season for Indiana and has lifted Indiana, the Indiana fever organization to relevancy. And I know that there are a lot of players that this is, you know, it's part of a process and you have to build up and the core is still there. But when you look at the, the performance on the court, right, them already winning four games at this point, but also just the energy. It really revitalized that entire organization. And they're up more than 300% in terms of attendance, um, which is just spectacular. And that's just the effect of what we're going to see over the next couple of years with this with this NIL college to pro pipeline. I think we'll see more and more of this, which is great for the growth of the sport. But it's all absolutely earned and it's all deserved. And... Aliyah's just been spectacular. And when you talk about the advanced metrics and the names that we're constantly seeing up there, Aliyah is right now sixth in PER, I think, or maybe I don't have that sorted correctly. She's up near the top. Oh yeah, sixth in PER. And that's just phenomenal. Like her win shares are near the top as well. And I just have been impressed from day one. I thought that there might be a little bit of an adjustment period, especially playing alongside Nelissa Smith just because there's that high-low that you have to navigate a little bit. But it's worked pretty well. It's worked pretty quickly. And the guards are buying it. I'm loving Erica Wheeler, especially, how she's working with uh, with Aaliyah 
in terms of just kind of seeking her out. And we saw Kelsey hit a game winner last week too. So it's starting to come together for Indiana and Ali has been at the center of all of it and is standing up defensively, right? She's had no issues on that end either and is coming into the pros as one of the staunchest defensive front court players. And it's just, she hasn't missed a beat. So yeah, she's my, my sixth spot for me. Yeah. Um, she was seventh for me. I struggled so much to, it was trying to debate between her and BG in my head and I could still go back and forth on it. It was really difficult, especially too, because we didn't even mention like her defense has been incredible, um, which is not a surprise. Like she's been incredibly good on that end. But, um, like, I mean, we went on and on. I went on and on about BG's efficiency. And, like, dude, Aaliyah's got a 69.9% true shooting on, like, not taking any threes. Like, that's incredibly difficult. And I think, too, like, she's very much getting a rookie whistle right now. Like, I think that that's something that she'll – like, I hate that refs do that. Like, I get it to a degree. Like, they have to learn players' games and stuff, too, just as, as anybody else does. But also, like, I don't know, just call shit. But – well, she's used um, to that from college, at least. So well, that yeah, carries over. Yeah, yeah but but it, I mean, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, she's even like with stuff kind of saying against her is probably a little too far, but without necessarily getting all the calls that I think some of the all-star contemporaries are like, she's still doing that. And it's been, mm-hmm. she's been special, man. Um, I'm so excited for the fever. I, I don't, I can't really add anything else that you, you didn't opine on already, but she's been, she's been awesome and she's a deserving all-star. I wish that we could vote on, I would feel so much better if we were allowed to vote for reserves too, but yeah. Um, when you only get the six spots, it makes it really difficult. Yeah. There was, there was just one other player that was in the conversation for me and had the conversation happened two weeks ago. Yeah. Satu Sabali would have hit, in those top six spots for me. And obviously the wings as a whole have hit a bit of a, a cold streak lately, even coming off a win right now, but Satu's shooting numbers have kind of come back to earth a bit. And while she's been absolutely tremendous for Dallas, um, the, the seven players that we mentioned are right in front of her for me. And she was, but firmly in that eight spot. Is there is there anyone Mark that that you know other than Aaliyah in the in the seven spot that that earned consideration? Again, there's so many people. You know, Cheyenne Parker absolutely should be an all star and is is I really hope gonna be an all star. But as you said, you are voting starters and it is just so unbelievably competitive. Is there anyone else that you were thinking or that was like in the conversation for you, kind of in this same tier of these players we've been talking about? Yeah, so, I mean, just to, to agree with Miles on Satu, Satu would have been, like, fourth for me last week or, like, a week or two ago. And, like, yeah, it's just been difficult with the efficiency. I will say I'm not, like, super worried. I think it'll come back. I think she's just gone through a rough spell. I still feel really good about, like, the process of everything. I still think she's very much been a very good player. But the efficiency just just matters a lot. As um, You know, so, I'm like, that's just – it's it's tough. Um, you mentioned Cheyenne Parker. I – I really hope that she makes it as a reserve. I think she's incredibly deserving. She's been, I mean, she's having a career year. She's been fantastic. Um, she's been really good defensively too. I'd say EDD. I also thought about a lot. I just don't feel as good about her defense as I have about like when I'm comparing her to Fee. And I think like not, it's different because like they just are in very different contexts. So I don't want to necessarily compare the scoring, but overall I just have felt better about Fee's year. 
Um, which again, like I think is a very deserving all star. You're just splitting hairs at this point. But I think that's it for me on the front court right now. Yeah, I I'm with you. Except obviously, Bree Jones was in that conversation for yeah. me too. Um, and that's obviously for a whole bunch of reasons not going to happen this year. But Breezy proved that this would have been her third consecutive All Star appearance, and she was absolutely deserving. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a like we said off the top, it's a really stacked front court. Shakira has a, a has a chance, I think, at the team as well. Um, Ezzy, I think we might still be another year away, but we're seeing more consistent effort from her on both ends and defensively. I mean, I guess she was at this pace last year uh, and then they made a, a, a trade mid season that kind of ate into her minutes a bit, um, but, or a signing that ate into her minutes a bit and, and her, her blocks fell off a bit, but seeing what Ezzy's doing, I'm seeing that, that consistent growth. And at the, by this time next year, I expect her to be an all-star if, if not now. Um, but yeah, the, the conversation for the front court is just like, we keep on saying just incredibly stacked in this league. It's also a league that when you look at MVPs leans towards the front court players, and this is the reason why. So we should just be grateful that they gave us six of those spots, not four of those. Yeah, no, I agree, man. Um, it makes it, it makes it so extremely difficult. And that'll do it for part one. Thank you so much for listening today to the front court portion. Tomorrow I'll be back again with Owen and with Mark, and we're going to get into the back court. Talk to you then. <laughs>